You're listening to the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast. I have some great stuff to talk about. GSM versus CDMA. Also known as A2DP. The iPhone is here. Singular is going to be transitioning back over to AT&T. Mickey Papillon is a cell phone junkie. Both Singular and Verizon. I switched to a BlackBerry. All right. Here we go. On this episode of The Cell Phone Junkie, we've got some iPhone SDK news, as well as the Nokia N95 coming to North America very soon. And your questions and comments, as always, this is show number 93. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. And Joey, I want to kick off the week. We've got some iPhone news like we always do, but uh, I've got an iPhone back in the house. And uh, no, before you jump to a conclusion, it isn't mine. It is for my wife. And I ended up taking a look and just kind of deciding that it was probably about time. And I know, Joey, you know, you know, um, Courtney. And so you know that, uh, you know, she, she needs the cell phone junkie's wife kind of needs to have a, a cell phone junkie-ish type phone, I guess you could say, you know? So, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, anyway, so, but uh, the story is kind of interesting. So I went and started looking around and obviously you can get iPhones at, you know, any AT&T or Apple store or whatever, but I decided I didn't want to spend full price on it. And so I started looking at the options to get a refurbished one from Apple. And if you go to store.apple.com and you go and you type in the search section, refurbished iPhone, you can find a number of different options for the iPhone, including sometimes even the old 4 gig model you can pick up over there. And it, they, they come in relatively cheap. And so I was looking over there and I thought, well, you know, I can do this. And then I started thinking about, well, where you know, maybe I could pick up one from someone who isn't using it. And so I thought about my good friend Dave Ciccone and know that he is not using his iPhone anymore. And so um, back and forth with him and and picked it up and it arrived on Friday. And uh, yeah, so just kind of went from there. But uh, she loves it so far, running the, the latest version of it. And uh, she's 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 loving it so far. It's a it's a great phone for um, for the the, the fun factor. Um, that's for sure. She's certainly liking that. But this is a great segue as we get into talking about what we talked quite a bit about at the the beginning of the show last week, and that was the Apple SDK, uh, or excuse me, the iPhone SDK announced by Apple this week. And the event had uh, multiple facets to it. They started off by talking about. Um, quite a bit about um, the the phone itself, but um, what what do you think, Joey? What do you got? Well, you know what's interesting about this that the way Apple's approaching this, you know, we've always talked in the past about how much of a marketing machine Apple really is, and and the iPhone doesn't really have that great a feature set on paper, you know, as we've talked, you know, the years before it came out here, basically, and look what Apple continues to do week after week. Apple stories, Apple stories, huge press releases, huge press conferences. You know, instead of having this SDK done when the phone was, you know, out initially, what better reason to have another press conference about the iPhone? You know, month after month, there's something new. They, they keep, you know, spacing these things out that keep the, the attention on the iPhone. It's a pretty, pretty brilliant strategy, really. No, it really is. I mean, talk about so, you're right. The marketing machine is the best way to put it. Um, it it's just this constant flow of information on them. Uh, start out. They started out by talking about 28 percent of the U.S. smartphone market is now on the iPhone, and um, the, the I think the biggest thing that that came out of it, at least for me, was that they they talked about full exchange uh, active sync support coming to the iPhone with version 2.0 of the software which is going to include push email contacts and calendar plus uh, VPN access for I guess people who want to VPN into their servers as well as some different protocols uh, I think some of it was uh, like WPA encryption and stuff like that and uh, Things that I don't really get into a whole lot, but anyway, the the the, the point was that you're going to be able to use this phone with your Exchange server. They went through the steps to kind of explain how the BlackBerry servers work and and how it was kind of maybe a little bit of an antiquated technology where you're taking all your email through the use of a, a separate software that's loaded on your server 
throwing it up to another company's servers through a knock and then re-downloading it uh, or pushing it out to the phone and how this was not the best way to do it where you can easily you know, have the ActiveSync running on the device that connects directly with your server and there's only one point of, of failure. And, and I think that is one thing that they, they, I think, really needed to do to make this worth their while. But uh, before we move on to the actual SDK, Joey, what do you think about, uh, about this, this particular part of it? Do you think this is going to be a good thing? And what, what do you think this is going to mean for the folks that are either big Palm users or the Windows mobile users that are, have been specifically using these devices because of their integration with the server? Well, it'll definitely hurt them. I mean, I, I, I think that the, you know, the commonality of the exchange server and businesses all over the place and the cheaper uh, hosted solutions you can get now, it's going to really cut into Palm and the Windows mobile devices, I think. Because, you know, obviously now as we've got more applications that are be- going to be coming for the iPhone, it's just a lot more focus is going to be on the iPhone and uh, apps that it has and will really turn it into a, a, a stronger platform all around. So it's definitely going to hurt them. Um, I, and it, it'll be kind of nice to have another alternative for your exchange email. Yeah, absolutely. The people who have been using the phone with, with different workaround solutions kind of know how great this is going to be. Um, what I've been using or what I tried when I was using the iPhone was a program called uh, Plaxo or a site called Plaxo where I had all my exchange information sent up to the Plaxo servers, then downloaded uh, through the Plaxo uh software on my Mac and that synchronized through iTunes and it was kind of wonky and you know most people aren't going to want to do that and to be able to just have it done over the air real time you know you get an email uh, you can respond to an email and let's say it, it integrates some sort of calendaring application you can easily you know accept an appointment or do whatever you want to do and it, it automatically is, is in a constant sync it's it's fantastic yeah and the, the the contacts is definitely a huge feature of that as well you know push email i guess yeah that is exciting but again you can always set it to check every five minutes so it's uh, almost the same as this push email but but the contacts that that contact sync i think is very neat and powerful feature as well especially especially for business type users yeah i've got well over 800 contacts that there's there's no way i would be able to enter them in every time i got a new phone you just you have to have it synchronized you know so anyway, uh, onto the SDK here portion of it, the, 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 the information that came out was number one, it's going to be, um, it, it's, it's going to be available, um, as of the time that they had the press conference. So meaning it is available now, uh, it is free to download and anyone can download it and play around with it and create applications for it, um, it is available, and the the rest of I guess the infrastructure, uh, so to speak, is coming out in June, um, and that is with the release of the version 2.0 of the software. Um, this is the software is going to be available free for the iPhone, and like we saw with the other applications on the iPod Touch, uh, there's going to be a, a nominal fee for that uh, for what they call bookkeeping purposes. But what looks great about this for the the, the developers out there is that it you can either do a, a free application that anyone can go into. Oh, and by the way, the, the conduit for it's going to be iTunes. I think everyone saw that, that that was going to be how this was going to work. Um, they're they're going to have what they call their application store, their app store, uh, another icon going on the screen of your iPhone. So you can download things directly uh, if you'd like, or you can go through iTunes. Um, but the developers that have software that they're going to be getting revenues from receive 70% of that revenue, and 30% of the revenue goes back to Apple, and that's to, to keep the maintenance of the store up and going and, and to do everything that they need to do. Um, they're not going to charge any credit card fees. They're not going to have any other um, fees or charges or anything like that because, quite honestly, they're saying, hey, you know, you can throw something up here for free or you can put it up here and people can buy it and we're just going to take a, a, a cut of that uh, to make sure that we have the money that we need to to uh, process everything on there. So it, it looks pretty good. Um, Joey, b- before, we, uh, before we leave this topic, the only other thing I wanted to mention about it was about one limitation that's come out here recently, uh, and that has to do with applications running concurrently. And what it appears is that for applications created by the SDK, they're not going to be 
uh, allowed to run in the background while you're doing something else. So a, a great example that we were just talking about, um, you know, before the show here was about instant messaging protocols and and when you want to have an instant messaging application running and uh, want to know when someone comes on and sends you a message, unless I guess your phone is in that application, you're not going to be able to use it. So um, what do you think? No, there's a couple. There's a couple other things Apple's doing too. They're they're going to approve every one of these apps. And they're going to double check it, and they're also not going to allow bandwidth hogs. They're not going to allow you know network saturation with any of these uh, apps that you can uh, per, you know uh, download from iTunes. Uh, they're also not going to allow anything that's uh, pornographic as well. Yeah, they, they which is good, I guess. I mean, they're they're going to be monitoring it. You're not going to be able to put up anything. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, that's good stuff. They did say also it's there you're going to have access to create programs that use the Wi-Fi connection. So you talk about these bandwidth hogging applications. Someone if feasibly could create a voice over IP application, but that's not going to be allowed to run over the edge network. That's going to be over Wi-Fi only. Um, I guess the other thing that they said was if someone wanted to make um, something that uh, that was accessing some sort of uh, GPS mapping. Um, I guess they could do that too over the over the Bluetooth. But um, anyway, it was there were some there was a few of those different um, technicalities in there. But for the 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 overall um, you know the overall protocol itself and the and the, the kit itself looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some limitations like this. You know, only being able to run one application at a time. Well, okay, that's may make make some people unhappy, but you know, overall, I think it's good. Well, it keeps the processor of the phone not tied up because if you have users that install, you know, 50 different apps, kind of like a Windows Mobile user can do, you can, as you know, Mick, you can drag that phone to a basic halt and make it worthless. And your uh, experience with a Windows Mobile device is not good. <laughs> and you don't care that you're running multiple applications. You know, you can install them. It shouldn't, it's not your fault that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's their fault. Uh, where it actually is your fault, but it's hard for the average consumer to understand that. And this, you know, this limitation just makes it so everybody will continue to be happy with their iPhone. Um, it's much easier to understand that you can only run one app at a time versus why the phone is really, really slow with whatever I have running on there. Mm -hmm. So just to recap real quick on that, the SDK is out. Um, the new uh, firmware version or software version of the iPhone will be version uh, 2.0. That will be out in June, and uh, you'll be able to also... And that's, and, and that's what's going to allow you to run the apps. Yes. Correct? Uh, okay. That, that's the, yeah, that's the way that it, that it, that it came out. Correct. Um, and then ActiveSync and Exchange support will be also available with version 2.0. So you still got a little bit of time before this is all going to, you know, you're going to be able to do all this fun stuff with it. But at the same time, it's good to see that it's out there now. Uh, next thing with the iPhone, we, we heard today that the iPhone is getting uh, on the unlimited voice plan bandwagon. And for everyone who knows um, who is going out there to sign up for new plans. You know, you've had the $60, $80, and $100 tiers. Well, there's a $120 tier that just came out, and that gives you unlimited voice minutes, but still the same old 20, or excuse me, 200 SMS messages, which a uh, little ridiculous for the money. But um, anyway, it's, it's essentially the same as anyone else on AT&T would be able to get with the $100 plan and then you add on the $20 data uh, the $20 iPhone plan on top of that which gives you the visual voicemail 200 messages unlimited night and weekends I like how it says you can get unlimited rollover minutes um, or you get rollover minutes included in the unlimited like you actually need them at that point but uh, they're going to still get you for if you want to get up to that 1500 uh, text messaging tier you got to spend another 10 bucks a month with them so you're up to 30 bucks and to get that unlimited you got to get up to another 40 bucks um, on top top of your regular voice plan. So that's a lot of money. <laughs> if you wanted the unlimited voice, unlimited data, unlimited SMS, it's $140 for the iPhone, Joey. It's Ouch. not cheap. So, no. Yeah. But anyway, but it's good to know that it is uh, offered as far as one of their plans. And the latest rumor this week for the next country to get the iPhone looks to be Switzerland and Swisscom uh, appears to be that uh, provider. April 4th is the date that's out there. We'll be sure to report back once we figure out uh, if that is indeed the case or not. 
Switching gears here a little bit, we're going to talk about uh, cell phones being the most irreplaceable item for most Americans. And this came from a survey that was done that said that uh, more people uh, would rather give up the internet or their TV than to give up their cell phone, done by the Pew study. Six years ago, most people said that giving up their landline telephone would be the hardest technology to give up. Uh, The results of the survey show that 51% of Americans would have the toughest time giving up their cell phone compared to 48% that said the internet. So, uh, Joey, we are a society of cell phone-loving fools, I guess is what it comes down to. Oh, absolutely. Why Why be tethered to a wire when you can be wireless? Come on. Yeah, why not? Um, I, I, some of the uh, more interesting statistics out of the story, I thought, were that uh, 10% of the people who have cell phones uh, watched videos on there, um, and 58% have sent or received text messages. And then 19% have used the devices for email or to access the internet. So, you know, those technologies right there are growing, um, I think, very quickly here. Yeah, and and that number, that 58% for text messaging, I think that will only go up. I think, you know, there's just going to be more and more people that embrace it. I think so, because, you know, Sprint phones from only just two, three years ago could not even send or receive text messages i I think this is uh you know it's it's quickly catching on Mm -hmm. yep absolutely well altel was the only provider uh major provider that was the uh holding out on the unlimited plans well this past friday the 7th of march they did introduce that they will have unlimited voice rate plans um on their national freedom uh network of planning they have the unlimited plan going for a hundred dollars and uh pretty much the same as all the rest of them voice I think it's fascinating that they're still offering their 6,000-minute plan for $200 a month and including their and their 4,000-minute plan for $150 a month. Why not? Why are they still there? <laughs> hey, you know, some people may not quite need that many minutes, so 4,000 is going to work for them. So they'll just pay it. Pay $50 more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. All right, uh, next one here, AT&T getting slapped for deceptive third-party charges. We talked about this one a few weeks back, and uh, a number of complaints against the provider that uh, some of the free ringtone sites were ch- uh, charging them uh, random 10 and 20 and more dollar charges per month, and AT&T uh, was in a lawsuit with Florida, and they have agreed to pay up to $10 million in refunds to customers, depending on how many claims are filed. Uh, in addition to that, a $2.5 million fine will be payable to the state itself, and $500,000 uh, in um, in monies for educating consumers on safe internet usage, so a real good uh, a real good re- result of a lawsuit that came out of this for people that may not have been familiar with this. You know, I think it's too bad that AT and T got stuck with this, even though this is really not. You know, it's not really their doing. It is the customer, the end user, that really is. You know, in pretty much starting to incur these charges by signing up for these services. But on the the, the flip side of thing, I think they completely are. Uh, liable for this and i think every you know mobile phone user who's on any carrier these third-party charges should not be allowed unless specifically requested by the individual uh, the account holder i I don't think these should even be allowed i i I think this is just just it's just shady all around in my opinion Mm -hmm. yeah but like i said at, at the very least that part of this 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 um lawsuit came out that there was going to be some education for consumers. There's going to be some money uh, geared towards that. So people will be able to, um, <clears throat> if they didn't know about it, they'll be able to to find out um, what they're doing and what they shouldn't be doing with their phones. So I think that's good. Well, next one here, a little discussion, Joey, for us on cutting the cord um, for your landline phones when it comes to these all-you-can-eat wireless plans. You know, uh, two weeks ago, we saw Verizon kick off this unlimited movement as the first provider to announce the $100 unlimited voice plan. And, of course, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, Nextel, and now Altel have followed with that. And, you know, these plans really give the consumer a, a great deal of flexibility when it comes to what they want in a voice plan. Now, what, you can, what you'll find is that the majority of people probably use, what, maybe 500 minutes or so a month on their cell phones. 
But then they also maintain a landline phone at their house in which they're paying upwards of 40, 50, maybe more dollars a month. So if you take into account a, let's just say a $45 plan that you have with your local telco for your landline phone, add in another 40 to $45 plan for the cheapest, you know, phone service that you can get, which has, you know, maybe four to 500 minutes on it. And guess what? You're at a point where you really have um, the same amount that you would be paying. Granted, I, I wouldn't say that having landline only is for everybody, but this, this brings up a, a very interesting question. You know, this is in the wake of, you know, Quest losing, you know, 740,000 phone lines in 2007. And these, you know, some of these providers like AT&T and Verizon adding millions of subscribers every single quarter, it just kind of makes sense that it will go to something like this, like the unlimited calling plans. So what do you think about this? Yeah, it's ju- it's just one more reason for somebody to drop their their traditional landline phone. Uh, it's yeah, it's definitely not for everybody, and and especially you know uh, households where there's more than one or two or three people in there. Um, it still makes sense to have a landline uh, in in many cases, but it it you know this is just one more reason uh, that that traditional phone lines are. Uh, they're on their way out. Uh, they're kind of on the way out, just like CRTs are for uh, TVs. I mean, mm-hmm. it's they will be gone eventually. Um, you know, it, it's also more interesting when there's uh, DSL involved. You know, you kind of have to keep it in that respect. And there's little things that'll kind of keep. You know, that they'll they'll hold on for a while, but still, it's they're on their way out. Well, and and if we look at at what the economy is like right now, people are are looking more and more to cut back on on different services that they may not be using. And so cutting out a landline phone may be an easy way to go, especially if you can say, yeah, I do talk a lot, but I can easily bump this, this, the number of minutes up and, and pay a little bit less. Oh, and here, um, where I'm located at, yeah, the, the basic, basic, basic uh, phone line uh, from Frontier Communications was something like 45 or $50, some absurd amount. Um, I know Quest was a lot cheaper, but uh, that's why we went to the Vonage and got the 500 outgoing minute plan for 15 bucks a month. And I, I still think we only maybe maybe use 100 minutes of that at, at the most uh, for uh, for each month. Uh, probably, probably most of the time it's about 10 minutes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that right there, it, it's just proof that it's really, it's kind of, eh. You know, there's ways to save money and, you know, to have a landline phone as well. But it's still uh, these unlimited plans will really uh, cut into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they absolutely will. Well, moving on here, uh, we talked about back last year when when Phoenix was one of the first cities in the country, if not the first, uh, to institute a text message, text messaging while driving ban uh, that there would certainly be some people that would get caught with this. Well, I bet they didn't realize that only in the first four, six months of of this of issuing these citations, only three people would actually get cited for it. And looking at this, the interesting thing about it is the way that the ordinance is written, it makes it difficult to prove that a motorist was actually texting. So a police officer cannot demand that a motorist hand over their handheld device or their BlackBerry over to the officer so that they can check it. Um, of course, they also can't grab the phone from them. And so it's really hard that uh, the way that the law is written for these people to be able to actually prove that someone was indeed text messaging text messaging while driving. So, you know, these fines that are, you know, about 250 bucks, uh, well, they probably make a whole lot of sense to be enforcing on people. How in the world are they going to do it? They really can't. And, you know, we talked about this a long time ago. You know, really, if, if, if an officer witnesses somebody texting while driving, I mean, that's distracted driving anyway. They don't need a specific ordinance to tell them that they're not looking where they're going. I mean, come on. It's common sense. Uh, I mean, really, this, this law seems more to, uh, it's there to educate the user uh, of the cell phone, not to text. It gives them a little reminder in the back of their head, oh, it's illegal to do this. I shouldn't do this. Not really so much the fact that y- y- you're you're not uh, paying attention to where you're driving. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I I completely think about it every time I'm in the car, and you know I get an email or a text message or something like that. I think twice about it, and I go, you know what? It's not worth it. I don't want to get the get the fine. I don't want to cause any sort of 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 risk to myself or the people who are driving around me. And so I I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, and that's and that's really probably what the spirit of the law really is for. It's really probably not to catch people specifically for it, because there's plenty of other ways to uh, you know uh, charge somebody with distracted driving. 
But this is a way to remind people that when they pick up their phone and start texting, oh, wait a minute, this is illegal to do this. Mm-hmm. So, hey. Yeah, so maybe it's working a little bit. And, you know, hey, only three people have actually gotten the citations. And so. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that stopped everybody from texting. There you go. <laughs> hey. All right, so uh, next one here, talking about mobile ads. And uh, about 23% of the U.S. mobile phone users in the country have seen advertising on their cell phones in the last 30 days. This comes to uh, us from a report by the Nielsen Company. Uh, The number of phone users who recalled seeing mobile ads rose by 38% to 58 million, or yeah, by 38% to 58 million in the fourth quarter compared to only 42 million in the second quarter. Um, this uh, was a survey of about 22,000 uh, users of various mobile services. The service providers such as AT&T and Sprint Nextel have discussed the concept of augmenting their revenue with these different mobile phone ads. And, um, you know, I would say that this is probably the last thing that, Joey, I would want to see on my phone. You know, unless there's something that's happening where we're getting some sort of, of you know, uh, reduced rate service, but it's it's just, I don't want to see the messages. I don't want to see uh, any sort of, you know, pictures or anything come through. I just, I don't want to see it, you know? No, I agree. And and this is, it. Th- this study's kind of, uh, it's kind of uh, specific because it's only involving data users, whether uh, text messaging and web surfing. And it's it's hard not to come across a little ad on websites that you go to, even mobile versions. There's usually a text link to an ad of some sort. So I guess I can understand uh, why that's increased so much because I know websites that I browse to, uh, just full sites and uh, the mobile sites, have really increased their ads, um, their ads on there because uh, the companies are realizing that there's a lot more mobile traffic now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they certainly have. All right, next one here, the uh, the Sony Ericsson notebook and mobile phone uh, industry has been one that has been now declared the most eco f- eco-friendly uh, among all other, um, uh, I guess, electronics manufacturers here. And Joey, this one kind of rang a bell with you and, and kind of going off of what we're you know, looking at as cell phones being the most irreplaceable items for Americans, this this was a good one because a lot of people look at at phones as you know just a disposable item. You know, after a little bit of time, you use it, you throw it away, no big deal. Well, guess what? They have tons of different chemicals in them, including lead and beryllium and um, all sorts of other um, you know very uh, dangerous materials if they were to get into the environment. So, a great story here to see that uh, Sony Ericsson has been has been making some strides to, to reduce the amount of waste that they've had. Yeah, and, and this story says that they're not like uh, super green compared to any other manufacturer, but they definitely uh, have a little a little step above everybody else. And this is going to become more of, a, more of an issue as more and more uh, people worldwide uh, have cell phones and then thus throw their cell phones away. So it, it's going to be an issue that's going to get more and more press as the, the years go on here. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at um, you know, some of the different ma- products that they manufacture, uh, you know, like the Sony Vio, um, that led uh, in the laptop category as, as the, the product that did the best um, when, they, when they calculated scores based on how the products are rated. So uh, some, some definite advantages for going with the Sony product, especially if you're someone who is um, ecologically um, uh, interested. Next one here, Acer is looking to acquire smart, smartphone maker E10. And uh, Acer is the third largest PC vendor, and they've signed a deal on the Taiwanese cell phone manufacturer E10 to purchase uh, the, the, uh, all the, the assets of the company for approximately $291 million U.S. dollars. It's an all-stock transaction, and they're exchanging one share of its stock for every 1.07 shares of outstanding E10 stock to pay for the deal. Uh, the board of directors uh, for both companies have both approved the deal. And of course, there will be some government uh, regulations that they'll have to hop through here. Uh, but it's a good, uh, a good, I think, uh, way for E10 to get themselves uh, into not only a, a bigger market, but to have a bigger parent company that can help them in some of the marketing and some of the, the development that they need to compete with some of the bigger guys out there. So just a quick note with that one. Next here, cracking GSM encryption just got a little bit easier. And this one, Joey, this is interesting. A, a, a couple of guys here, um, 
for in the organization representing most of the mobile phone operators, the GSMA, uh, have uh, have figured out a way that GSM communications that are encrypted can be relatively easily with the the right equi- equipment to get uh, not only uh, hacked into, but then um, you know basically. Uh, I guess spoofed, lack of a better word. Um, you know, what do we know about this one? Well, they've uh, they've they found an easier way to break the encryption. There there has been uh, you know methods to break the encryption for at least ten years, but it requires a lot more horsepower than than most people can afford to purchase. Um, what this means to me is that in the the upcoming years here as this as this kind of technology spreads around um illegitimate groups uh people with GSM cell phones and worldwide uh, you know US and worldwide will be more and more subject to uh cloning spoofing um you know u- fraudulent uses of their accounts um you know I I don't think it's going to happen right away it'll probably slowly catch up but What's going to happen is is carriers aren't going to want to address this, and they're going to want to try to sweep this under the rug because uh, the cost to change the encryption scheme on on all the GSM phones worldwide is is how many multiple trillions of dollars would that cost, Mickey? I mean, that would involve replacing every single tower and every single phone. It's just not going to happen. So these kind of stories actually are very scary because it's not it's it. It, it'll take a long time for this to uh, to change. Let's take a quick step-by-step process through how this attack actually works for the people out there who are interested in it. The, the first step is to learn the subscription identification number and the equipment ID of the target phone. This can easily be done um, since the information is sent um, in the clear and can easily easy, easily be obtained using a, um, a sophisticated receiver. Um, an alternative method is to wait for the target phone to originate a phone call and then receive the required information when the phone contacts its closest cell phone tower. Uh, the information then by the attacker uh, has the capability to focus on the calls from that specific phone. Um, the ability then um, to do this with this information um, can then be taken, and uh, then the next step is to uh, is to crack um, the the web um, and get that information in the cell networks. Uh, send enough of this information repeatedly, which when obtained and recorded allows for the attacker to use a I guess what's called a, a rainbow tables attack, and then it's just a matter of time until the encrypted conversation um, is converted to usable information. So. But like you said, Joey, this this is really kind of a, a good wake up call for you know for the people who are out there with this, and it's not something that the average user of the phone should have to worry about. And and you know, granted, I just <clears throat> you, you hate to see something happen where your phone gets your in, your your account gets compromised and you're not able to um, to make phone calls because something has has happened. But um, Anyway. And that's many years. That's many years off from this particular story, but it's out there, and it'll be become a growing concern over you know over the next few years. But anything that's encrypted is eventually broken. That's just kind of the way things work. Yep, exactly. All right, next one here. Leap Wireless has announced that it's expanding Cricket Wireless service into the St. Louis market. They're going to be hiring local employees, opening up some retail stores, and doing everything else they need to to get the service up and running there. So if you're in the St. Louis market, you can easily get your Cricket service there. And that's the true, uh, the, the, the pioneer of the unlimited minutes. Yeah, they are the ones that have been doing it for since how long? I think they got here to Phoenix in probably 2000. It's been... Uh, No, I think it was even sooner than that, even. Oh, was it? That was way sooner than that. Yeah, that was probably 98 that they started there. Wow. Okay, well, anyway, they're, yeah, they have had had service in in select cities across the country, and they've done everything from the the $29 unlimited plan to, you know, all the way up to like the $50 and $60 plans with unlimited everything. That includes roaming and different things, but um, but it's it's a great thing if you're just looking for a a, a mobile phone that you can take anywhere <clears throat> that you don't necessarily need. Uh, let's say things like caller ID or <clears throat> you know voicemail or whatever on it or so, national roaming, right? Yeah, well, <clears throat> for the cheaper plans, you are correct. You use it in one city and one city only, because um, after that, it, it's um, you know it, it only works it only works for. Um, the, your specific trade area. And outside of that, you're kind of out of luck. 
All right, next one here, Joey, kind of an interesting twist on uh, what we like to talk about here typically, but um, the folks over in England have been poking around at an idea of putting up padding on solid objects around the city. And uh, so apparently a lot of people are walking around different parts of London, running into lampposts and trash cans and streetlights and all sorts of just different things. And so they've decided to, for lack of a better term, you know, soften the blow of people as they're walking around texting and not paying attention so they can just randomly run into things and not injure themselves. And you know, something like this only happens if there's been a lot of issues with it. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, walking and texting, <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's kind of like walking and driving. Just kind of need to have bumper cars everywhere because that's pretty walking much and driving. Walking and driving at the same time—that's probably not easy to do either. Probably not. Probably not. All Just right. like texting, <laughs> texting and driving isn't easy to do either, as we've uh, previously uh, m- maybe not a good idea in Phoenix, at least. No, definitely not here. Now the next one here is um, <clears throat> a new device. <clears throat> to the folks here in North America, and that's the Nokia N95. Now, you in uh, Europe or other parts of the world have have probably seen the N95 around for quite a while and know that uh, it's probably one of the flagship devices uh, that Nokia has had out in the last couple of years. The N95 8 gigabyte has HSDPA on the 850 and 1900 bands, and uh, you're basically looking at the same device that we've had out for the last couple of years here, uh, just it's available um, officially here in the U.S., but uh, get out your credit card, $800 for the Nokia N95, so not a cheap phone. But move this into the next story, Joey. The N95 could be coming to AT&T, and you know if that happens, it's going to be highly subsidized because people are not going to pay $800 for a phone when they're signing up for a two-year contract. Uh, little uh, to no information on this right now other than it looks like it's going to be the 8-gigabyte version of it and uh, will be obviously compatible with the 3G HSDPA network that AT&T operates. And uh, interestingly... Uh, this coming out right before, or excuse me, I guess right after the launch of the N96 as a device, and um, so wondering if this is going to be a, a, a big hit or maybe a flop, because people will be wanting the next best thing from Nokia. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. So just... As it really it really depends on the price that they sell it for. Yeah, it, it does, because if I would say this is probably a $400 phone with a $200 contract if I you know, thought about it. But still, that's a lot. I mean, you think of, think about what it what it costs to buy like a trio outright. That's what, five hundred bucks, five hundred and fifty bucks? Still three hundred bucks more than that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh or or how much it costs to get you a center right now with certain rebates. Yeah, zero. Well that's a that's a uh, a, a great other story. Where where was that? Was that with Sprint or did you have to go through a third party to get that? Uh, I believe that's with Sprint and AT&T if you go through uh, Amazon.com and a Amazon. few other sites are offering uh, uh, additional rebates um, with the two-year contracts to get a free Centro. Okay, okay, yeah, check those out if you're interested in a Centro because cheap, 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 that's what that one is right now. And uh, Windows Mobile 6 coming here on multiple different devices. Uh, CBIT happened last week in Hanover, Germany, and the T-Mobile MDA Compact 4 was one of the devices that kind of stole the show. It's got 7.2 megabit HSDPA, built-in GPS, VGA screen, Wi-Fi, and 4 gigabytes of onboard storage. looks a lot like the iPhone, Joey. I think this is kind of what we're going to be seeing into the future. No physical keyboard, basically everything uh, done on the screen. It uh, looks like it's going to be probably coming out in uh, some of the different European countries first uh, on the T-Mobile network, and after that, we'll see how this baby spreads. Uh, next one here, the um, uh, T-Mobile, or excuse me, the, the Sprint Mogul um, has uh, software that's going to be uh, possibly coming out tomorrow, Joey. This is Reve and GPS. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, doesn't look like anything other than that involved with it, but um, I know you've got to be excited about this one. Your wife's got one of these. Yeah, uh, there's a bunch of uh, Bluetooth fixes, I guess, that it uh, handles as well. I guess uh, Bluetooth has always been kind of a a shortcoming of the the mogul. Um, uh, I'm sure there's some other bug fixes as well. But uh, Rev-A, I think this will be one of the first uh, Rev-A devices uh, available um, out there right now for Windows Mobile uh, once this update hits. And GPS functionality would be nice. Uh, 
So it's kind of a nice upgrade. Hopefully it does actually hit uh, because it's been kind of missing a lot of its deadlines lately, I believe. Yeah, it certainly has. Well, speaking of ROMs and um, and what what we've got here for Windows Mobile, the, the HTC Star Trek uh, is, I, I think, uh, the only HTC flip phone device that runs on the Windows Mobile operating system. And if you're a fan of, of cooked ROMs, you can pick up a, a cooked ROM for this that has the Windows Mobile 6 base in it. So uh, a nice upgrade for those that, that are looking for a little bit more stability and, and some of the enhancements that Windows Mobile 6 brings. Again, this is not an official ROM upgrade. This is a cooked ROM available from XDA developers. Yeah, and if you're interested, you can get uh, Windows Mobile 6.1 for it. And, and also, uh, kind of tying back with the last story, you can also get 6.1 on your Sprint Mogul uh, with Reve and GPS because people have found the uh, the beta firmwares out, the, the testing firmwares from Sprint and have uh, integrated that into the Mo- Windows Mobile 6.1s that are floating around. So it's uh, y- you can actually do some pretty major upgrades to your device if you have a bit of... Uh, thick skin and some uh, patience with some pretty complicated steps to get into them and um, if you're willing to kind of try it out you 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 can have some new features mm-hmm. absolutely a couple other software pieces here google gears has gone mobile if you're a, a user of the google gears software on the desktop to read and and um, and mark uh, your different rss feeds through google reader you can now do the same thing on your Windows Mobile 5 or Windows Mobile 6 device. <clears throat> also, Motorola has updated the Verizon Q9M. And if you're a Q9 user on Verizon, this is going to be a great update for you. Um, updates the radio firmware. It takes care of a few bug fixes and also uh, takes care of um, some some basic uh, underlying, I guess, bug problems that they had. I already said that, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Joey, uh, that's about it for the software side. Let's move on to questions and comments here. First one is a question from Scott. He says, hey, Mickey and Joey, thanks very much for your answers to my questions. I appreciate your experienced insights and suggestions. I might still mess with the non-AT&T firmware on the Tilt uh, just to play, but I'll probably end up selling it or returning it. Um, here's a link to the developer's site a buddy sent me that discusses hacking the Tilt and other HTC phones. Do you know anything about it? Well, he sent us a link over to the XDA developer's site, <clears throat> And uh, we've talked about them in the past, and, and it's a big community of people who like to, to take the firmware that's on uh, specific Windows mobile phones and you know cook it up, do some different things with it, pull out some stuff, add in some stuff, and then throw it up there for other people to, uh, to download. So I would say go ahead and play. Just make sure that whatever you're downloading, it's got some, some lengthy reviews or conversation on them so you're not downloading something that someone hasn't used or had problems with. Uh, I know there's there's a lot of them out there, especially for the Titan 2. A lot of people like what was on the Titan 2, and the AT&T Tilt had a lot of other extra crap on it that people maybe didn't want. So, Yeah, there's, uh, you know, I've always had fairly good luck with putting these sorts of, um, you know, cooked firmwares on devices, not even, not really uh, mobile phones specifically in my case, but other things like uh, I've installed Rockbox on my Sansa MP3 player. And it, it just adds an amazing amount of features and functionality and things that the original firmware just doesn't have. And, you know, the, these things have so much potential, and it can really in, increase the value of the device, um, you know, if they're done right. So, yeah, check it out. It, it's probably, um, it, it, it may be worth the time. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't say that um, I've ever. I've ever downloaded one from them that I've had any problems with. I was. I was at one point using them with the. I think it was the Apache device. That was. It was what was known as the the iMate K Jam, or my version was the QTech. 90, uh, 9100 and, and never had any problems with anything I downloaded from them. So um, anyway, but like I said, just make sure you've got one that's been tried and, and hasn't had any issues with. Next one, comment from Ralph. He says, hi again. Uh, just a comment. I use Newsbreak, uh, the $20 version on my Tilt. It gets all my RSS feed, feeds with audio and video podcasts. I found it to work well. Um, so if you're looking for an RSS reader, uh, Ralph recommends Newsbreak. Uh, question here from Jose. Since I've been listening to your podcast for a long time, I am a longtime Pocket PC user currently running Windows Mobile 6 on my 750. Uh, 
my Palm Trio 750, that is. Since AT&T decided to set the cap at 5 gigabytes for monthly downloads, I'm debating if I should buy Slingbox and use it with the 750. I heard you have a Slingbox and use it with your phone. Have you ever gone over the 5 gigabyte cap or anywhere near it? Keep up the great show, Jose, uh, down in Puerto Rico. Uh, before I get into this, what do you got to say, Joey? Well, that's a, that is a great question because um, it, it's hard to judge how much uh, Slingbox uh, sling, sling takes uh, for data because it doesn't tell you, well, this is taking this many megabytes per minute, and if you watch uh, this much uh, TV, you will go over your gigabyte uh, limit. So what do you, uh, what do you experience? Well, I will say that I do have a sling box. In fact, I have two of them. They're located in different states, so I can watch, uh, depending if I want to watch local Minnesota programming or if I want to watch Arizona programming, I can do either one. Um, I, could be, uh, I could start another show, Joey. It could be called the Sling Box Junkie, because that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I feel like sometimes. Okay, so I will watch the sling boxes on any of my computers or on my mobile phone. On the phone... That typically what I'll see is I'll see, because of the size of the screen on the Trio 750, I usually see a stream at about 200 uh, to 300 uh, kilobytes a second, sometimes maybe a little bit higher that higher than that, but not too bad. So if, if you were to extrapolate that out, it's not very much. Um, honestly, the most I have ever seen on my AT&T account, I think was maybe 300 megabytes. And, and I, I wouldn't say I'm a heavy Slingbox watcher, but I do watch it, you know, a few times a week. And depending on what I'm doing, maybe you're waiting in line to get a haircut or something like that. I'll, you know, just turn it on and kind of flip through just to kind of, you know, waste some time or whatever. It's, it's I, in my opinion, not a big deal. I watch it a lot more um, on my computer and um, tethered with it. So that will get the, the rate up to like 500 kilobits a second. So if I... If you followed me there in that transition, connect my Trio to my MacBook Pro over Bluetooth to share the HSDPA connection. Watch the Slingbox over that. Got it. Okay. Um, so by doing that, it's it may be 500 kilobits a second, but it, it doesn't it doesn't even seem to come close. In fact, the only way that I could see actually coming up with this crazy amount of data, this five gigabytes a month, is if you're constantly downloading something that's maxing out your connection. And typically, the Slingbox will not max out your connection because of the simple fact that your cable internet is probably, the upload speed uh, may be at 512, because I know that's what a lot of people are at. And so t- my, my, uh, the downstream then is a little bit slower than that, because it doesn't saturate the entire connection. And so all these factors into play... Don't worry about it. <laughs> Basically, is what I'm trying to say to you. I've never even come close. Um, it'd be an interesting experiment, though, to just turn on the Slingbox and see how much data it uses for, you know, say an hour, three hours, or something like that. And, um, but at the same time, it, you know, the battery would die before then. That. That's the other problem with the mobile phone portion of doing it that way. So, anyway. All right, question here from Ryan. He says, I discovered uh, that my emails that I've been sending and receiving uh, out on my Gmail IMAP um, have not been working. I kept getting a message saying something to the effect of uh, there was something wrong with my connection and it could not send the message. I had 15 messages in my drafts that I thought were sent out days ago, and uh, so I'm glad most of them were not critical. Um, I'm receiving emails fine. I just can't send. Do you know of any problem with this? Um, I need to get this fixed. Thanks, Ryan. All right, Joey, um, I know you've got, we've got kind of two, two sides to this one, two different uh, things for him to take a look at. Um, what have you got? Well, first, uh, make sure the security settings for your outgoing IMAP are set properly. I know on my Centro, um, I, I, I have to kind of choose what, what port and what authentication method is being used. So you have to make sure you uh, use SSL encryption, and you have to make sure you're using port 587, and you also have to make sure that you're using smtp.gmail.com uh, uh, to get the, uh, the mail going out properly. Uh, you also have to make sure that you're using authentication on that as well. So it has to send your username and password in order to, to, to deliver the mail um, using IMAP and, and Gmail. Okay. So all of those things aside, let's say you've, you've verified all those and you're, just, you're not getting all of your messages coming through. Um, I have had this problem, and, and Ryan, I, this is what I will tell you. If you send a message or you click reply and you type a message and you hit send and you notice that immediately you've got some sort of error message on your screen, 
something was wrong with that message. Um, I recommend deleting the message, um, going into your, your outbox, deleting that message, and, and then trying to retype it and send it again. Um, if that doesn't work, uh, it has something to do with how the message was received, I believe, if it had to do with either an HTML email that came through or some sort of rich text or something. And then when you replied, it, it got hung up. Uh, like I said, uh, I have had have had it happen before. My guess is that if you went into your outbox and you went to um, your oldest message in there, you deleted that message, and then you hit send and receive, all the other messages would send through. There's something with Gmail on the on these the Windows Mobile where I've noticed it happens every once in a while. I've got one specific sender who I, I reply occasionally to that it happens, and it doesn't happen every time. Um, and it's, it's just really strange. Um, the other thing that, that I'll recommend is if it's a longer email and maybe part of it's been cut off, make sure you download the entire message because I found that in one particular instance happened where it still said, you know, to download the other seven kilobytes of this message or something, um, hit that, downloaded the rest of it. And, and then I was able to reply with no problem. So kind of strange behavior on the Windows mobile system. Uh, you know, if nothing else, click on that, that clear account messages, clear out all your messages, re-download them, and, um, and then maybe try again. But that's, you know, when you're using IMAP, it's not that big of a deal because usually you won't have, at least in my, in my case, I file a lot of my messages so I don't have too many in my inbox. So that takes all of about 10 seconds to update. So anyway, check that out. Hopefully that'll take care of your problem. All right, next one here, voicemail from Don. He's got a recommendation for us on what you can use as a podcatcher. Uh, hello, this is Don uh, from Atlanta, and I just uh, was listening to your last podcast, and uh, I just wanted to mention that uh, Newsbreak is great for uh, checking out my podcast. I check all yours as well as many others. Download quickly. I use it on my Blackjack, Windows Mobile 6. Uh, but it's great. I wish they had one for a farm device. That's normally big. But uh, I suggest uh, that uh, I've been following my side. It's huge, but thank you. And great show. Bye-bye. All right, thanks very much for calling in, Don. Uh, sounds like Newsbreak is quite the popular program here. We've got one more here coming up in a minute um, that we'll talk about. But anyway, thanks for calling in. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can do so as well. Just give us a call, 206-203-3734, and we'll be able to get you on the show. Next one here, comment from Jan. She says, Mickey, I'm not sure how many women you have listening to your show. Well, I don't know how many we have either. I know my wife does. So we've got two now. She says, I am one of them. I says, I love mobile technology. I've been using handheld devices since the days of the clamshell sharp organizers with the QWERTY keybads, keyboards way back in the late 80s. In show 92, you posed a question about podcasting software on mobile phones. I have a T-Mobile Dash and a Sprint Mogul, and I run Acro Design's Audio Bay podcast player on both. They are separate Windows Mobile Standard and Professional versions for $9.95 and $14.95, respectively. I find it to be a, a great solution for me. You can search for podcasts and subscribe that way, or you can enter in the RSS feed manually. You can stream files or save them on your memory card. The program remembers your last location in a given podcast if you're not able to finish in one session. You can even schedule downloads. I've experienced with Pocket Player and many RSS readers, but I like Audio Bay because I prefer having my podcast subscriptions organized in one place. Maybe other listeners will find this helpful if they're looking for a podcast catcher for the Windows Mobile platform. Uh, question for you. Have you used the Nokia N92 or N95? I long for a Windows Mobile professional device with a really good camera and a usable flash, since my husband laid claim to the digital camera my parents gave us for Christmas a few years ago. I have no experience with S60 phones, but even though I want to get down to one device, I'm tempted to buy an N95 or an N92 to replace my dash now that the new Nokia phones have been announced and prices are dropping on their current models. They look fantastic for multimedia, although lousy for PIM functions and third-party software. Keep up the great show, Jan. Well, personally, no. I have never used the Nokia N82 or N95. I've spent all of about, I don't know, 30 seconds with the N95 in my hand. I only know one person that had one, and so I, I hardly got any chance to play with it. You are correct, though. The multimedia functionality on them is very good. Uh, the cameras on them are also very good. Um, PIM functionality, I don't know if I'd say that it's lousy. I wouldn't say that Windows Mobile has, I mean, other than it has a great um, conduit and active sync, 
the, the S60 devices have active sync on them as well. Nokia has licensed that for Microsoft. So that shouldn't be, shouldn't fall in there. You know, you can still get your contacts and calendar and everything like that. Third party software though. Yeah, it's lacking. Symbian's a little bit behind on that. Um, you're not going to find as many, as, as many things out there. You know, two though, if you're talking about, um, T-Mobile Dash and the Sprint Mogul, you're, you've got QWERTY keyboards. And if you're, Thinking about switching over to the N95 specifically, you know, you're not going to have that QWERTY keyboard on there, and so you're going to have to learn on that that T9 typing again. Um, so I don't know, Joey. Any comments for her on this one? No, I don't have any help actually on this one because I haven't used a Nokia device uh, actually ever. So um, I am not sure. All right, all right. Uh, next one here, comment from Lewis. He says, "Mickey and Joey, first of all, great podcast. Listen to it every week. Keep up the great work." I thought this news could interest you. One of the largest and best, in my opinion, cell phone websites, Howard Forums, has been legally threatened by a company called Moby TV for a user's post describing how you can get free Moby TV. However, the method is so incredibly simple and the security is so flawed that I find this hard to believe. Basically, you just need to go to a certain URL and uh, on Moby TV's website and you can get a clear text file containing all of the feed's URLs. That's it. The procedure consists of a download of a text file. The answer from the company was that they were considering sh- uh, shutting, taking actions to shut down the website based on um, it was uh, hacking of this, the, the system. Um, and then there's a link here for us. So, Joey. <laughs> well, what has happened in the meantime since they wrote this, they've, uh, they've uh, kissed and made up. No, they really didn't. They... Um, they they did come to an agreement. Um, I'm not sure if they pulled that post down or not, but uh, they have um, uh, talked to each other, the Howard Forums and uh, Moby TV, and they have um, they've kind of uh, backed off. Uh, they 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 really didn't want um, Howard Forum shut down. They wanted that particular post taken down uh, because they were uh, trying to react to the security issue that they had. So I guess I can understand, I can understand uh, why that company wants to preserve their bandwidth because that's really what they'll be hit hard in. Um, I, in fact, came across this hack a few weeks ago, actually, um, and tried it on my Centro, and it did work. Sometimes it was kind of flaky. Sometimes it would, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. Um, quite frankly, the, the, the Mobi TV offerings that would load up they were the the quality was so poor and the frame rate was so low. I I had zero interest in even loading them up again. So, um, it, you know, neat in theory, but not not very good in applications. So, um, I guess uh, some other people were very excited to see it because you can load it in QuickTime on your uh, PC as well with those links. So, you know, it's it's kind of poor poor uh, judgment on their part to have these uh, all their channels available as just free clear links there's no authentication that's required to actually access these data streams which mm-hmm. is just it's just ridiculous yeah and there's uh, i'll put a link in the show notes here on the latest update but everything is pretty good now um you know they 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 basically said the president and uh, co-founder of Moby TV basically said you know our intention was never to bring down your entire site or censor the internet like we're being accused of um, they're basically just trying to protect themselves and you know their their first priority is to fix any security issues with their system so uh, but nonetheless thank you very much for for bringing that up Lewis that's was definitely an interesting one I was following that one this week and seems to be uh, you know everyone's happy now. Question from Josh. Mickey, I just picked up an Asus uh, EPC 4GB, uh, the mini, mini notebook. Runs on Linux, and I really like it. However, I have one huge problem. I have no cell phone service. As you know, I've ported my number over to AT&T, and I currently live in the New York State area. I've been spending three days in uh, Wack Hill uh, with no cell phone service and three days in Ossining in New York, little or no cell service. I'm really, really upset. I was in uh, the same area about nine years ago with T-Mobile, and I had service. Not a very strong signal, but um, I had one in my home area. I've noticed that roughly 40 days into my service plan, uh, coverage started to getting spotty around my house. Um, I don't have this issue, or I didn't have this issue with T-Mobile. At this point, I'm about to switch again, and I'd like the best way to get out of my contract. I'm going to switch to Sprint uh, or the Centro back to T-Mobile. Uh, I think Verizon has is way too much money. Is there anything in my phone contract that states that if you have no service, you can get out of the contract? I feel like I've been lied to. Um, uh, the worst part I that is 
that I was going to use my Trio Central Centro as a modem um, and surf the web. Um, I just can't believe that in 2008 we're still having these issues with uh, cell phone reception. I pay enough. Why isn't there service here? Granted, I won't be in this area very often, but it frust- frustrates me to have no service when I'm paying for it. Thanks for the great podcast, Josh. Okay, um, so the easiest way to get out of your contract is to pay the $200 early termination fee and just cut your ties with that company and move on. That is the easiest way to get out of it. Is there anything in your contract that says that if you have no service um, in, in a place uh, that you can get out of it? Uh, the short answer is yes, um, but it's not exactly, what I think, what you're going to want. Here's the deal. If you have a phone with a, with a provider that is in an area that has no service, and I'm not talking spotty service. I'm not talking you walk into your bathrooms, put one foot in the tub, and you're leaning to the right and your phone doesn't work. I'm not talking about you know it works when you walk five feet out the door. I'm talking no service. And that is listed as your primary address. And you can prove to this provider that that is your primary address and that's where you live. Then you can get out of the contract. They have some very, very open language in their contracts that basically say they cannot guarantee service everywhere. They will not guarantee service everywhere. And they will uh, hold you to the terms of the contract unless you can, you know, I mean, that's basically what you have to prove. Um, It's not easy. I, I've never tried it, um, but you're going to have to do a lot of arguing. Uh, so if you're up in these places like Ossining or um, Wack, Wackhill, I'm, I'm sorry about the pronunciation of those, but those are, in fact, your primary residences. Do they have service in there? Do they have roaming agreements? If they do, I think you're out of luck. Um, you know, Joey, before we move on to the other part of it, as far as what to go to, what do you think? Well, I, yeah, I guess you have to kind of really... Uh, go to with what you know, but you may want to try a different phone if you hadn't, just in case your particular phone is not working right. I mean, the radio may be bad in it um, if you only did try one phone. Um, I, you know, I don't know. How do uh, GSM phones make you do uh, things like, you know, like the, the Sprint equivalent of PRL where they have roaming uh, agreement? Is GSM just all automatic? Yeah, it just kind of works. If it can see okay. it, it'll work. Yeah, there's no okay. list. Okay. okay. Okay, so anyway, so, you know, the other part is is that you're going to use the Centro as a modem and surf the web. Um, you're going to use the AT&T Centro and uh, AT&T's Edge. So it's not, it wasn't going to be that fast anyway. So I would either look at, in fact, you know what? I'm going to recommend this, and I think, Joey, you'll back me up on this. If you're mm-hmm. going to make the switch, go to a Sprint phone because here's the thing. You can get a serial plan. Go to Sprint.com slash Ciro, if you haven't checked them out yet, and get a, a very decent plan uh, for the money. 500 minutes, 30 bucks, unlimited everything. It's fantastic. Now, that being said, if the Sprint service doesn't work, it's going to roam on Verizon. So you don't have to have the Verizon phone or the Verizon service to get that service. So you can get the Sprint Centro, have EVDO coverage where available, and or Verizon eVideo coverage were available when you use that? Uh, just Verizon um, uh, 1XRTT. It won't roam eVideo. Why? Why? I don't not? know. Well, we're going to have to fix that. Let's, let's call Palm. Okay. Okay. Anyway, well, bottom line, you could still use it with Verizon, and you're still going to have service. You're still going to be able to, you know, if you wanted to, switch it over. I think, Joey, can... Can you not switch it over to like a roaming only mode in the Centro? Yes, yes, you can. <clears throat> okay, okay. So you could certainly do that with a uh, with the the serial plans. You get the unlimited roaming, so it works out real well. So take some of those things into consideration, and um, good luck to you. Uh, don't get mad. Just figure it out. Move on. Even if you have to pay the two hundred bucks, just pay it. Just just cut it. Get done with it. You don't have to think about it anymore. Then and you'll move on, and you'll have good service. Just just do it. You'll be happy you did. All right, next one. Question from David. I uh, just bought a BlackBerry Curve 8320 from T-Mobile, and I'll need to buy a micro SD card since my old T-Mobile MDA used a mini SD card. One of the, uh, none of the documentation that came with the phone says what the maximum size card that I can get. I did a quick search online, but I didn't find a definitive answer. Do you know? David in St. Louis, Missouri. So I do know, uh, number one, from personal experience, that with the Curve, a 2 gigabyte S, uh, micro SD card will certainly work in the phone. It will work just great. No problems whatsoever. Um, I know from doing some research that the four gigabyte phone 
pretty much without exception will work with no problems for you. So you could certainly look at the four gigabyte micro SD card. And I know that if you choose a six gigabyte or higher card, you may have problems. Some people are saying I got a six gigabyte such and such, and such brand micro SD card, put it in my curve and it worked just fine. Other people are saying it caused sluggishness issues. It caused other problems. It didn't work right. Yada, yada, yada. So uh, the bottom line is check out uh, a four gigabyte micro SD card because that one uh, from everything that we can find should work just fine for you. Comment from Gordon. He says, Mickey, would you please tell Roger that I have been using the core player on my queue for about a year and it works fine. Uh, I think it's made by TCPMP. Also, let him know about the website uh, qusers.com. It's available um, on the mobile phone as well as on the PC. Um, That's a great recommendation. Qusers uh, is a great site. I was a moderator over there for uh, just about a year uh, when I I had my queue. And so I know that they've got a great community and uh, some great moderators over there. Um, So check that one out, qusers.com. Um, and then also, if you buy software, you do not have to go to the website on your phone. It's easier to have the site send you a download link by test, uh, excuse me, text message. Um, it's pretty cool. I haven't had a lot of problems with mine, um, especially nothing that pulling the battery out and putting it back in doesn't fix. So, um, Roger, there you go. Some information from Gordon on you. And that just about wraps it up, Joey. Show number 93 is complete. Uh, anyone out there, if you have any questions or comments, you can shoot them over to us, questions at thecellphonejunkie.com, or give us a call on our voicemail line, 206-203-3734. We're creeping up there, Joey. Show number 100 is right around the corner. I can't wait for it. And until next time, everybody, thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.